the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back. As we head into Hour 3, it is a delight to do so, as we do most Mondays, with Brandon Weikert. He is the author of Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower. At this point, I'd just like us to be some kind of power. The Shadow War, Iran's <laughs> Quest for Supremacy. You like that? And Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. You can follow him on Twitter, X or Twix, at we the Brandon. Happy Monday, Brandon. Almost Tuesday. Hi. How you doing? Well, I'm okay. I don't think our country is, to paraphrase Dennis all. Prager. How America remains a superpower. Was I wrong to say, how about just a power? No, no, you're not wrong. And it's very sad that this is the position that we're in. But such is life under a Democratic administration. I was. Wa- I want to talk domestic. You know what? Bookmark it. We're going to come back. Let me do yep. some domestic with you. I want to come back okay. to areas of okay. your expertise that you've written on. Sure, sure, sure. Superpower, politics, China, Iran, all that. We will get to that. Let's do uh, – you have been uh, in and out orbiting the DeSantis uh, sun for <laughs> some years. You're certainly in his yeah. state, uh, to say the least. Um <laughs> I, yeah, I, there's been a lot of a lot of carving up of of this candidacy and post mortem thoughts. I, I don't know if anything new has been said. Um, Sorbarabi had some interesting thoughts. I, anything you want to add to why this didn't work or didn't go or didn't take? No, I think I think uh, Amari did a good job of basically doing the post mortem. I think the bottom line is the base. While they were open in 2022 after the midterm defeat to a new candidate, once the indictments began flooding in, uh, that was over. Yeah. Uh, the, the base, I think the base rightly said, this is disgusting. We're not going to let this happen. And they acted accordingly. Um, and there was nothing that DeSantis could do to change that reality. And so it was sort of just at that point inevitable uh, that uh, you would have this breakdown in the, the DeSantis campaign. DeSantis himself did not do any favors for himself. Uh, you and I have talked about he hired the way wrong people. Um, you know, I was advising occasionally on China and foreign policy. I had nothing to do with the campaign, you know, what, whatever was going on with the campaign in terms of attacking people in MAGA world. Or, In fact, I explicitly told them about eight months ago, that it was a mistake to basically do this hedging strategy they were doing where they would kind of attack uh, Trump and then they would sort of walk away and try to be nice. It's with Trump, you've got to go all the way or not at all. And, um, you know, it was very obvious to me that the the DeSantis campaign were completely out of their element. They should have never even run, uh, especially looking at everybody he hired. He hired all the people that hate what he stands for. Yeah. This is this is what Trump did in Trump's first term. This yeah. was my big criticism of Trump. Uh, you know, I don't really understand it. I, there were plenty of us who were Trump people who were looking for a younger, more stable, more dynamic actor uh, and thought DeSantis would be it. But none of us were really brought in. 
We were it was just like Trump in 2016. Mm-hmm. All of the kind of consultant class that hates the Trump movement took over the campaign and were running it into the ground. And part of me thinks they were doing it on purpose. Interesting. Well, you know, um, the the uh, DeSantis campaign and the way they went about these things, the kinds of things you're talking about, it has um, a feel of what the Nikki Haley campaign stands for, which is kind of we're an elite cadre that tells inside jokes and you and and you're either in on the joke joke or you're not. It's definitely a joke. There's no doubt about okay, that. Okay, all right. But you take my point. There's there's this yeah. feeling that, you know, as much as you want to – I mean, we're in a moment where the Republican Party is kind of punching out of an egg like a little chick out of a shell. Right. And, it's, and, it's, and it's figuring a few things out. The last thing you want to do is be putting that beak back in when it's when it right. when it looks like it's kind of – kind of an elitist thing to be doing and i have to yeah. tell you uh, it it had the feel of an elitist operation yeah. that's not well, where the party yeah. is right now no and they hired the wrong people yeah. at, who were all the elitists yeah. and so uh, again i wasn't hired by them i advised them on some china stuff and uh by september i was telling them they're gonna lose yeah. because they were you know and it's exactly because the reasons you were saying uh you have people like jeff rowe who's a clown, uh, you know, taking millions of dollars from the campaign and not actually delivering on anything he promised. And, um, um, you know, it was just everything that could have been wrong, went wrong, what, you know, did And go it wrong. ended wrong. I got to tell you, it ended yeah. wrong. I, I'm inclined well, to, I, well, I'll say it this way in the sense that I'm inclined not to say something negative about the departed, but... You know, his speech yesterday and everyone said, oh, what a great speech. It was not. It was a rushed, weird speech with a left handed um, with a well, left handed endorsement of Trump that I've never seen in an endorsement. One last thing is I've just never seen an endorsement that includes criticisms of the person you're endorsing. I've just well, never- I think I, I, I've been very clear. I think Trump needs to be criticized on certain things. Sure, but from and an I endorser. Think, <laughs> I, I, yeah, but but look, I, you know, at the same time, I got the sense that that was not planned. I don't think he was planning to drop out. I think that he looked around and I could tell you I was communicating to people uh, and, you know, I, I did have some degree of, of influence on sort of the formations of the campaign when I was the one of the public people calling for him to run. I, you and I were early on. We were early. Yeah. On and so so I, I do know that what I was saying was being communicated uh, and I was making arguments behind the scenes. Now, whether or not they fully listened to me, I don't know. But, I, you know, I got the sense that the plan was to ride out New Hampshire. I think what happened was the donors started getting cold feet. And uh, I think that he started reading the room and, uh, you know, it's just he wasn't going to overcome when when you like Iowa is fundamentally different in terms of being a primary from other states. But when you win Iowa and your win is so great, like Trump's was, and it matches for the first time in years, it matches what the polls are saying. I think at that point, you have to be able to say as, a, as an opposing candidate in the primary I can't beat this guy. Yeah. It's gonna, he's going to run the tables. And it's all because of the Alvin Bragg indictment in March of last year. Yeah. The moment they started indicting Trump, those conservatives and Republican voters 
who were saying well, we would like somebody new. They were disgusted, rightly so. They were disgusted by what the, the, the Democrats were doing to Trump with the lawfare. And so they said, you know what? We're going to side with him, even though we have problems with him. And that's how I feel. At this point, even though I have problems with him on certain issues, I'm going to go all the way with him now because it is very obvious that, that the elites have rigged our system or rigging it to try to stop this man. So you have to wonder, why is he such a threat to them? That must be a really good thing, actually, because yes. those are the people we don't want to be running the country. That's right. And we want the American people to have a voice in our own government because that's how it's supposed to be. And under those elites, the American people are marginalized. Yeah, daily. yeah I think you're right. I'll say one more thing. And maybe I have a bad view of these things. I tend to look under the hood rather than at the car when it comes to political campaigns, just based on my experiences and areas of some expertise, I suppose. But it also shows you that, that he didn't have the varsity team in the sense that, that that speech yesterday that he gave and he had that Churchill quote, uh, success is not permanent, victory is not whatever it was. And then that was repeated by all his people on Twix. You know what? Churchill never said it. And it just I know it's a small thing, but it's a very famous fake Churchill quote. And yeah. and it's not the kind of thing. It's 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 just not the varsity team. A, a professional speechwriting team would see a quote like that attributed to Churchill and know it needs to be chased down. You know what? Yeah. A better Ron DeSantis would have done that, too. Yeah, I, well, the, well, it just wasn't a varsity team. I know it's a small back, thing, but it says a big thing. No, it's not, because this gets back to what I was saying back in September to the, to the DeSantis people. They have the wrong staff. Yeah. I mean, they had a guy... They had a guy named Nate Hockman, I think, yeah. who was a speechwriter, yeah. who was posting Basically a neo-Nazi, yeah, right. Yeah, and you look at a lot of the people they were hiring, yeah. they were neo-Nazis, right. or they had leanings that way. Just and no excuse for were, it. Just no, no excuse. No, they were so desperate, they were so desperate to get people who were edgy online. Yeah. They were waging an online campaign. That's they right. didn't under. I said this at the time, they didn't understand... Trump did not win because of Twitter. That's right. The Twitter Twitter was ancillary to that. That's that right. was a byproduct. That's right. It was not the cause of his victory. And they didn't understand it because the people he hired hate Trump and they didn't understand Trump. Starting with the announcement on uh, on 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 Twitter, oh, was with, which it was, was just, you know, garbage in, garbage out. All right. Let me take a quick commercial break. We'll tur- turn to world affairs when we come right back with Brandon Weikert. He and I. We'll be right back. Follow him on at we the Brandon on said Twix Twitter X. Brandon Weichert is my guest. W e i c h e r t. His books take on complex issues and make them understandable. Winning space: How America remains a superpower. The shadow war. Iran's quest for for supremacy and biohacked China's race to control life. I love talking to you on Mondays because I have these. Um, I have these uh, calls um, uh, over the weekend and Monday with you know folks on the East Coast and throughout that just kind of analyze things, Brandon. And I was mm-hmm. asked for whatever reason they they uh, they were asking me my views on on Iran and whether you know we're going to war with Iran. And I said, well, I look here's 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 what I have to say about Iran. They have been at war with us for the better part of forty five years. Yep. Um, over the last several weeks, they have launched about 150 attacks on American interests. That now includes um, soldiers in Iraq who have traumatic brain injury from those attacks. Yep. 
We just lost two Navy SEALs. You and I were talking about it a week ago. Um, Now they're confirmed dead, not just missing, trying to intercept illegal Iranian shipments in the Gulf of Aden. It's a direct proportionality between the way Joe Biden has recessed and refused to comment or say anything about any of these things and the increase of action that Iran is taking. There is a direct one-to-one proportion to this. I don't know if they want war. I I mean, I read Rule Mark Correct this morning. Who knows? But they have been at a war with us, and it's only gotten hotter. And I don't. And then I was asked, well, how far away are they from nuclear? I said, I, you know, take your analysis. You could do two months. I don't even know if that's their main interest or if that's a bargaining chip. They have been killing thousands of Americans for years. And lately it's ramped up. And the American presidency is nowhere to be found with the secretary of defense, who is a laughingstock. We are not on a footing to deal with them. You tell me where I got it right and wrong. You got it all right. Um, what I would say is their their nuclear weapons capability is they've already got nukes. I've been saying this for years. This idea that, oh, well, they don't have them yet. No, we've been slowing them down with the sanctions, yes. But every time a Democrat comes into office and starts, you know, de- uh, ratcheting down on the sanctions, that gives the Iranians more ability to build nukes quicker. So they have what's known as surge capacity. Um, and so... The nuclear weapons program they have, um, it's, it's a threat, and it's becoming an even greater threat. Um, and ultimately, it's not even about their ability to deliver the systems through missiles. I'm still worried about them using their proxies to, to do dirty bomb attacks. Correct. And sort of, right. you know, and so it's more than just a bargaining chip. You know, this is like a, I think many other regimes do operate like that. They, I think North Korea in particular, where they're not actually serious. They want to do a negotiated settlement that favors them. I think with Iran, though, um, they're crazy. Their regime is built upon an ideology. We've talked about this before. That is very end of timesy. Yeah. And so, you know, they're sort of like the uh, the the group of humans at the end of the the second uh, Planet of the Apes film, the original <laughs> sequel, where they're worshiping the nuclear bombs, the mutants. And, you know, that's 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 what I fear. And so I think the idea we're going to negotiate with those with that regime is I think it's just nuts. And so and and every time you do this, it's just like negotiating with Hitler. They take it as a sign of weakness and they want to go for more. They want to push for they want to push harder and they want to see what more they can take, because you give a mouse a cookie. He's going to want a glass of milk. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, it's the Goldfinger strategy. Uh, James Bond says to Eric Goldfinger, "Do you want me to talk?" And he laughs and he says, "No, Mister Bond, I want you to die." You to die, right? Yeah, and That's and I mean, I don't know how much louder Iran has to say that when they keep shouting and chanting "Death to America, Death to Israel," and then showing right. showing showing the material and means to do so. That's right. So I don't, you know, I think that the Iranians have nukes and that the capacity is growing. And I think that the Biden administration, if given their opportunity, will try to make it grow faster because they believe, as Obama did, that Iran getting nukes would allow for them to balance against uh, regional actors like the Israelis. But they don't realize that the Saudis are also going to get nukes the moment it's confirmed that Iran does have a nuclear arsenal. And that is the scary thing here, because there is no tripolar system that is stable enough to that, that, that will not go into war. Every tripolar system throughout history 
automatically breaks down because one side is stronger than the other and the weaker side starts getting you know freaked out and then big conflict is initiated. This is why uh, we cannot be doing deals with Iran. We cannot be trying to let them become a normal country because they're not. And we cannot be letting them get nukes because it will lead to the very war Democrats are supposedly trying to avoid in the Middle East. Yeah, I wonder about what the Democrats' view is on war. It's a weird thing, as the Republican Party has shifted some sands on international and defense policies, the Democratic Party's become very odd about war. You know, the party of John Kerry and George McGovern, the peacenik party, is it's very odd what they've done. There's not, it seems to me, a terrorist entity they don't support. And the more blood, the better. And right. it's it's a it's a you're, very you're completely thing. correct. Uh, okay. Yeah, well, and I think it's ideological. It's complete. I think it's ideological yeah. too. I said this before. They have a love for Islamism, yeah. Yeah. and they act accordingly. They think Islamism is a legitimate force. It is not. Islamism has killed more Muslims than it has anyone else yes. in its existence. Yes. And this is something that no one on the left is capable, for whatever reason, of acknowledging. And they make policy decisions that are based on this assumption, and it gets a lot of people killed, it weakens the United States, and it makes the world less safe. Yes, I think that's, that's all true. And uh, let, me, let, me, let me talk about Israel for a second. Um, let me un- unfold this thesis as it relates to Israel and Hamas, because I think it has parallels with America and Iran. Um, I was talking with a, a strategist the other day, and he said, you know, the Iron Dome system, as great as it is— was relied on too heavily to become an increasingly defensive measure. We can afford Islamic Jihad and Hamas rockets because we have Iron Dome. But we never went in and we never diminished their capacities. We just kept saying, we can take the missiles, we can take the missiles. So what did they do? They start firing more missiles. And then that wasn't enough. So they did the invasion that became October 7th. There is a point at which you have to do something more than just defensiveness. Well, I agree, but I think it's also important to note the cynical nature of of Israel's treatment of Hamas. What I mean by that is the Israeli government, Netanyahu's big policy that he thought was a success, was basically paying off Hamas right. not to attack Israel. And right. we now know what happens right. when you appease Nazis. Right. You know what happens. It's weird. And so, yeah, go ahead. You know? And so my point is, is that it isn't just an issue of they were being too defensive. It's that they didn't understand that Hamas, it's like they didn't comprehend, they say they do, but they don't understand that Hamas is in the, not an independent organization. It is an extension, a byproduct of Iranian perfidy throughout the region. And Hamas did what they did at a perfect geopolitical moment when it looked like Israel was going to align fully with Saudi Arabia. And that's when suddenly the Iranians got Hamas to do this because it broke up or slowed down the marriage of the Saudi-Israeli alliance. And that was the point of that attack. Hold that thought. Let me pick up on that when we come right back. Brandon Weikert is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals. Brandon Weikert is our guest, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. His books, Winning Space, How America Remains a Superpower, The Shadow War, Iran's Quest for Supremacy, and Biohacked, China's Race to Control Life. 
Brandon, what you discussed about Netanyahu with Hamas or uh, Joe Biden with Iran, if you want the parallel somewhat, um, un- 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 unleashing money to Iran, which was uh, going through a, a, pov- a moment of poverty that was brought to them by Donald Trump. This is the lesson of treating abnormal nations as if they're normal, as if the right. considerate. This is a folly that I have never understood we didn't learn after World War II. Why do we re-engage in the folly of thinking you can apply normal strategic thinking, normal interest thinking, normal self and mutual interest thinking to countries that do not, that are abnormal, literally abnormal? I've always thought if you wanted normalized relations, be normal. These are not normal countries. Well, I agree. And the reason is because it's a state of denial. Yeah. Americans do not want to talk about these things because it's depressing. And, uh, you know, it leads us to a, a pathway where basically conflict is the only answer. And nobody wants to say that. Nobody wants to deal with that, understandably. What do you think the difference between a Haley foreign policy and a Trump foreign policy would be with regard to Iran? Maybe Donald Trump doesn't even need to have much, but I don't know. You tell me. Uh, Nikki Haley will invade the region. She will probably get stuck into a Syrian imbroglio that is unnecessary. Um, She will basically not do the strategy of addressing the real threat, which is Iran. She will, you know, nibble around the edges like George W. Bush did. And that will end up getting us bogged down. It will end up losing, making us lose face in the region. And ultimately, uh, you know, it will lead to uh, the continued diminishing of the United States as a global power. Trump, though, wants to focus on um, Iran. He wants to focus on the threat of Iran, which is the big issue. And um, what he wants to do is the correct way. He doesn't want to do it by invading Iran. He wants to do it by containing Iran, by empowering our allies in the region to basically do the heavy lifting while we give them diplomatic cover, intelligence support, covert support, and um, you know, and a sundry of other things uh, that do not require us to invade the region and, and destabilize our own position further. And Joe Biden will continue to try to get them to negotiate. That's the third way, I suppose, and shower them with money and what? Uh, do, do, to try, try and stick his head in the sand and ignore the fact that they are ongoingly attacking American interests oh, and their allies. Correct. It's, yes. a, it's an odd thing about Joe Biden's presidency that so much of it is wishful thinking. I mean, whether it's domestic or foreign, you know, they just I, I think their stra- I think their political strategy, if they have a political office that's operative at all, it's wishing the news weren't what it was. That's the best they can do, whether it's the border or whether it's Iran or whether it's Hamas. They just wish things weren't the way they were. They feel yes, they've been agreed. dealt some bad hands. Truth is, yep. they kind of created them. They've created, or they've worsened them. Or they were, yeah, exactly, yes. Right. Right. You know, they would have been better off simply. I think I dropped you for a second there. Did I lose you for a half sec? I think we hit mute or something. On By we, I mean Brandon. <laughs> Brandon, are you still there, brother? 
Do we still have you? Yeah, there you are. We lost you for a second. Oh. Yeah, that's all right. If you can just restate what you said, I'm sorry to make you. Well, basically, this is the epitome of Orange Man. Orange Man being bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, they hate him because uh, you know he's everything that they don't want. Things he did right, even though they acknowledge he did it right, they're going to find a way to not do it because it's pure spite. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let me take one more break and we'll come back. I want to shift to something you wrote about uh, Taiwan and China uh, on uh, Twitter X Twix when we come right back. Brandon Weikert is our guest. He and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, coming to you from the 960 Patriot Broadcast Studio, which is brought to you by the veteran-owned Midas Gold Group, your trusted source for precious metals, your trusted source for deep, intense, and smart thinking is Brandon Weikert. Um, So uh, Donald Trump gave an interview suggesting the U.S. wouldn't come to Taiwan's defense were China to attack. You write... We lose Taiwan, we lose the first island chain, we lose the first island chain, we lose the second island chain, we lose the third island chain, we lose access to the Indo-Pacific. China is able to project power into our hemisphere game over. Um, yeah, that, that's, that's, that's the domino effect that will take place. I have no doubt about it. My only question is whether you think Trump is serious, because he kind of hedges once in a while, doesn't he? Yeah, well, he did preface—I mean, I wasn't really— saying that he was not going to do the right thing, but I was just trying to articulate why we should be concerned about Taiwan. Um, With Trump, though, that was a very short clip, and things are often taken out of context to try to make him look bad. Um, And also, he did preface his remarks by saying, hey, um, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. This is classic Trump, because I I don't want to telegraph what I want to do. And so, um, you know, that is that is something I think that is more um, that is not as bad as what they're trying to say on the media, that he's not going to defend Taiwan or whatever. Fair. Um, Yeah. So. But it is interesting that we are now in a position where we have to think about Taiwan. I mean, we we have to think about. Russia and all of our allies uh, surrounding Russia. We have to think about all of our allies in the Middle East, and we have to think about Taiwan. These are things we did not have to think about at the end of 2020. That's right. Well, it's, yeah. Well, I mean, these are things that have become problematic, as the young people say, because of, again, one person, Joe Biden, and the Democratic Party that surrounds him. Um, you know, th- th- this is the result of bad leadership. Um, and so, uh, you know, I really hope that in November we have a change of administrations. And I think, you know, contrary to what some people are saying, um, Donald Trump, I think, can be counted on to stand up for America. And standing up for America is not necessarily going to war with Taiwan, but it's letting the Chinese know that we have prior agreements with the Chinese saying that Taiwan will be left alone Mm -hmm. uh, under the one China, two systems paradigm. And it is the Chinese who are breaking it. And we are obligated to stop them from breaking it. Uh, Do you think Biden's the nominee ultimately? I'm watching uh, Michelle Obama and Gavin Newsom very closely. Newsom is currently in South Carolina uh, rather than the vice president, Kamala Harris. Newsom is campaigning uh, on behalf of Biden. I wouldn't be surprised if suddenly we hear Michelle is running 
and she's going to become the nominee, and that uh, Newt Gavin Newsom will be her vice president. Speaking of vice presidents for Trump, you like Tulsi Gabbard, I see. I mean, I don't agree with her on everything, but I think she's a woman, so that is what he needs. And and also, she's not from that neoconservative wing who's going to get us mired into three or four different Mideast wars. Um, She's a veteran, and I, I mean... You know, I have problems with her, but I think she would probably gel with Trump better than any of the other nominees. Uh, Elise Stefanik, I don't trust. Um, definitely, I'm on the Never Nikki, uh, you know, bandwagon, and I've been warning you since July that Trump is seriously looking at Nikki Haley, um, and so I would be very cautious of of, of his pick um, with that. Uh, you know, Christy Name really doesn't do it for me. I don't think she's that impressive. Um, and, um, so I, I mean, if he needs a woman, Tulsi Gabbard might be the only one that can kind of bring something to the ticket that he's lacking, which is a stable, sane woman who is not going to risk getting us into three or four wars at a time, especially if something were to happen to Donald Trump. Do you think that there's a, do you think there's a possibility he could go with DeSantis or is that just not happening? Well, first of all, I don't I, I don't think that he under the Constitution, I don't think they could do that. Yeah. And second of all, um, I don't think either DeSantis or Trump want that. Okay. I would not be surprised, though. I know you thought it was a bad concession. But I didn't think it was a bad concession speech. But I, I would not be surprised if because Trump said he wants to play nice now. Yeah. So I would not be surprised if Trump offered DeSantis uh, position in the cabinet. Um, and I, you know, whether DeSantis takes it or not, I don't know. But I, I mean, DeSantis still has a role to play. Yeah, he does. Um, and it'll be interesting to see what it is. Sometimes people get stronger and stronger. Sometimes they're strong for a moment and kind of flame out. I don't know. I mean, you're in, you and I had made the, the argument early on this time last year that this is DeSantis' moment. you got to do it, and four years out is probably too late. I stick I by that second part. Yeah, I do. I, I, I don't yeah. think he's presidential in four years. I just think he isn't. Uh, no, this was it. He blew through way yep. too much money, yep. rankled too many yep. people. We agree on he, that. Uh, he overpromised, underdelivered, yep. um, and so that's it. This, this is it. I mean— Maybe there's a think tank that'll hire him as a well, you know, I, as yeah, a, yeah, maybe, or maybe there's a place for him on the international stage uh, or in the cabinet, as you say, perhaps. But uh, you know, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't quote Matt Gates that often, but he kind of did say yeah. something interesting over the weekend. I think yesterday after the dropout and endorsement, he he just said, "I'm so relieved. I hate it when mom and dad argue." <laughs> and I just thought, yeah, yeah you know, that kind of sums up where a lot of people probably were. But none of yeah. none of DeSantis's voters go to Nikki Haley. I don't think. Not that there are that many, anyway. But I just don't think they do. Do you? Uh, they, I'm looking at a lot of what the DeSantis voters are saying, and it sounds like they are never Trump. Which well, I've there is won. that. I mean, that is a weird thing to me. That is, there is yeah. an immaturity over there. Right. There is, yeah. which it, I, I never was. In fact, I was always trying to. Yeah, keep of it course. Matter, of course. Yeah. 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 No, so, of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. All right, boss. Love checking in with you. Be good. Thank you yes, for everything. Sir. You too. All right. Yep. Thank uh, you. you. Talk bet. to you later. You bet. Brandon Weikert. Uh, W-E-I-C-H-E-R-T. Follow him on uh, Twix, Twitter, X, at we the Brandon, And uh, I'll have a closing thought when we come right back. Portions of this show brought to you by our good friends at Y-Refi. They have a secure investment 
where you can earn up to a 10.25% fixed rate of return. It's not correlated to the stock market or the Federal Reserve. In a secure collateralized portfolio where there are absolutely no fees, you can turn your income on or off, compound it, whatever you like, and of course... You get your monthly statement with no surprises and no attack on principle if you ever need your money back. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-24, 888-YREFI-24. If you are not a... um, at the end of the week, if you are not a recipient of uh, our free ticket giveaway for our Fighting for Freedom event on March 26th, plenty of opportunity for you to still go. 960thepatriot.com. Check it out. Brandon Tatum, me, Mike Gallagher, others, and Mr. David Dahl will be there as well. It's going to be a great event. Uh, I just love being on stage with uh, Mike and Brandon. I think we were on stage together. When was that last event, young David? About mm, a year ago? Like, yeah, I want to say like that? maybe a little it less might than have a year. been a year by the time this event comes around. That may be right. It was either yeah, or, yeah. March or April. It was 2022, I think. Though. Oh, it was 22. Wasn't it? Oh, goodness. Wow. Maybe it was late 22 then. Yeah, yeah. I think it was about a year. Anyway, it'll be great to see Mike Gallagher and Brandon Tatum again. They're doing such great work. Yeah, I don't mean to harp on this i just i just thought it was weird when desantis ran through that concession speech so quickly with no kid did you watch it david mm-hmm. it didn't you think four the, minutes. didn't you think it was fast with no temp- well, some some concession speeches are long and drawn out yeah. look at chris christie's from two weeks ago it was what a 40 minute speech just to say that i'm getting out yeah uh, i know but some it was, are short and quick it and, was but it was read so quickly it mm-hmm. was just yeah. as if I'm just going to go through the motions here. It felt like a fundraising it email. Felt, I've seen many of his fundraising yeah. emails that he said, I'm it, here in it, the happy state of yeah, Florida, and I was, want you to help me out. So I guess the point I'm making is the bookend of his campaign, it ended the way it started. It started awful with the mistake on Twix, Twitter, X, when he announced it there. People said, oh, it'll be fine. I said, I don't know. Debuts should be boring. Who said that? Uh, I forgot who said debut. Jonathan Swift, I think, said debuts should be boring. They shouldn't be disastrous. And his was disastrous, and it never really recovered. Okay. Today was our debut show for the week. Hopefully it wasn't disastrous. I will let you decide. We'll see if we have jobs tomorrow. Until tomorrow, on behalf of David, Mr. Bill, I am Seth Liebson. God bless you all. Class dismissed. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.